and stand with me if you would. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. Um, it's that weird time of year where it's, there's light until like 9 to 15 at night. And it's beautiful and it's lovely, but it kind of throws me off. Uh, because in the wintertime, I know when to be quiet. And you guys know I'm really good about turning it off at a certain time, right? Why are you guys laughing about that? Uh, but since the light stays out so long, I don't know until it's like 10 o'clock that it's time to be done. So, uh, But look at Galatians 5. And I got a, a couple of my employees from work that are here like, I, my boss tells me I got to be at work at times, so you better hurry up. Um, look at Galatians 5 and uh, look, if you would, at verse number 22. Uh, a, a passage that I hope by now you're becoming very familiar with in regards to what the Bible says about how God wants you to bear fruit in your life as a believer. And here's what it says in verse 22, but. So there's a disjunctive conjunction here separating two thoughts. The first is a list of the works of the flesh. And here's what you have to do to have the works of the flesh in your life. Live. If you're saved, look, you're, let me explain something to you right now. When you got saved, and we had a number of young people that got saved last week, and I'm so thankful for that. Uh, not, not at all to embarrass anybody, but I'm glad that, uh, Summer, I'm glad you got saved. Amen? Glad you got saved. And, and for the others that got saved as well, and, and Emily recently got saved, and, and Avon got saved last Wednesday night. That was a blessing. But listen, I tell everybody the same thing when they get saved. Look, uh, when you got saved, your soul was saved, your spirit was born again, but God did zero to your flesh. And you are yet to receive the salvation of your body. We would call that the rapture. First Corinthians 15 calls it the resurrection. All right. And, and so in the meantime, you, you know what you have to do to, to manifest the works of the flesh in your life? Just do what's always been natural to you. Just live by your flesh. But if you want to do something different and supernatural and let God work in your life, then we get to verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Talked about that last week. Long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such. There is no law. Look at verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, if you're saved, you are alive in the Spirit. And Romans 8 talks about that. Let us also then walk in the Spirit. In so many words, if you are born again, you should live like it. Amen. All right? And, and, and what the Lord does, He gives us a clue about how we can do that. And, and it means that we are submitted to the Spirit of God. And if we're submitted to the Spirit of God, there's going to be some things that will come out of our lives. I want you to look back at verse 22, and I want you to concentrate on that real long word in the middle there. Long suffering. Long suffering. We're going to talk about what that word means and how it should be evident in your life. Uh, Brother Sean Bowe, if you would open us up in a word of prayer. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Be seated if you would. The word long suffering means bearing injuries or provocation for a long time. Patient, not easily provoked. All right. Who here struggles with patience? All right. Raise both hands if you really struggle. Right. This is me right here. I want it and I want it done yesterday. All right. 
And, uh, and so the Lord, what he does, he goes, look, I want you not just to understand that this is something that should be in your life, but why it should be evident in your life. And the reason it should be evident in your life, if you're a born-again child of God, is because this represents the nature of God himself. The moment you got saved, listen, uh, he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, Philippians chapter 1. Faithful is he who hath called you who also will do it, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The moment you got saved, the Lord started a work in your life. The fulfillment of that in its entirety, you're not going to experience it. You're not going to see all of that until the day that we experience what the Bible calls the resurrection of the saints. When we experience, or some people call it the rapture, uh, when we go through that, you are going to get a new body. And when you get, thank God for that. Anybody here want a new body? Some of you ladies are like, yeah, just in time for summer. Not That's not the kind of body I'm talking about. I'm talking about a body that never sins, never thinks the wrong thing. You don't have to guard what you're going to say. Can you imagine being in heaven and someone asks you, you know, how did, how did this happen? And everything you say is true. It's honest. You don't embellish anything. You don't lie. If someone says, how do I look in my white, white robes? You say you look good and you won't be lying to them. Guys, any, anybody understand what I'm talking about? Does this dress make me look fat? Honey, you've never looked more beautiful. That's the right answer. All right. Don't just say no. You, you're young men, some of you young guys right over here, you guys aren't married yet, are you? Do you want to live after you get married? Okay. All right. So here's, here's what you do. Whenever she says, does this dress make me look fat? You don't say no. You have left the door open for a lot of different things to be thought of in her mind. You have to say you've never looked more beautiful. There you go. All right. So, so listen, what I'm saying is this. So you're, you, what you're going to experience when you die, after you die, and the Lord, uh, uh, fin- we hear that, that final trumpet, and we are called out of here. And listen, I'd like for that to happen in my lifetime. I'd like to not experience death. That would be a blessing. Paul talks about it as if it would happen in his day. Regardless of when it happens, when it happens, you're going to go up and you're going to get a new body. Here's the deal. It, that, at that moment, God's work in all of what salvation means for the believer will be done. All of it. All right, now listen, he bought it, the, it was already paid for at Calvary. All right, it, it wasn't like God had to do something more after you got saved. What I'm getting at is this, he paid for it at Calvary, you get saved, and he says, you know what, I'm going to do a work in your life, if you will let me. Right. Now, now look, there's part of this that's going to be done, whether you go kicking and screaming, you're going to go up when he calls you up. Yeah, All right, you're going to get a new body, and you're going to be put in the image of Jesus Christ, But in between now and that moment, it is you who decides how much of the Holy Spirit of God leading your life actually happens. That's not on the Lord. The Lord will pour out more of his presence and his blessing in your life. I want you to understand this much. When you got saved, you got all the Holy Spirit that you were going to get. All right. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, you are to be filled with the Spirit. And what that means is this. uh, You got to empty yourself of you. If you're saved, now listen, if you're lost tonight, you've never been born again, a lot of stuff I'm going to say is going to maybe go over a little bit over your head, and that's all right. The main thing you need to know is this. What the brother was talking about earlier is this. In Ephesians 2, if you're not saved, you are, as the Bible says, I didn't say it. I didn't write this book. I would never have written that book. There's too much in there that I don't like. I wouldn't have written it. I wouldn't have written it like that. Husbands love your wives. I could put a period right there. But God does. And he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Come on, Lord. 
you want me to love her enough to do exactly what Jesus, I don't know that I can live up to that, but that's what he says to do, all right? So, so according to this book, what you have to understand is this, it is the Holy Spirit of God that comes inside of you, that seals you, and then you as a born-again child of God have to say, I want to be filled with myself or filled with the Spirit of God. If you're lost, the Bible says you are dead in your trespasses and sins. Clearly not talking about your body because you're here and you're breathing, you're alive. Clearly not talking about your soul because the death of the soul is in a place called the lake of fire that God does not want you to go and he never designed it for you to begin with. All right, but it's the death of the spirit when sin enters. All right, Romans 7 talks about that and you die spiritually and the Holy Spirit of God comes inside and when you get saved and gives you new life. We call that, the Bible word for that is regeneration. It is new life that's given. You, the moment you get saved, listen, you become a new creature in Christ. Right? This is about the extent of my art. Sick figures, that's about as good as it's going to get. All right? Before you were saved, you know what you were? You were a creature. And you know what happens after you got saved? You're still a creature. But you're a new one. You know why you're a new one? Because of what's inside of you. And, and so it is up to you, though, to say, I'm going to submit to that or I'm going to follow my flesh. I'm going I'm to submit to what God wants in my life. And if I don't, let me just say this. One of the ways that it's manifested in my life that I'm not submitted to the Spirit of God is that I cannot put up with anything. I don't suffer long. I don't deal with provocation well. I am easily agitated. I'm bothered very quickly. Uh, whenever there's trouble and I'm in church and there's trouble, then I quit church. As a believer, if I'm reading my Bible and then there's trouble in my life, I stop reading my Bible. Are you with me right now? Are you understand what I'm saying? It, whenever I'm walking in the flesh versus walking in the spirit, it's very easy for me to go, I'm done. I quit. You say, why? It's not because you're not saved. And I want to make this very, very clear tonight. All right. The, the, the word long suffering, we're going to explore that a little bit more. But I want to make this clear. Another word for long-suffering is to persevere. All right? For you to carry out the action of persevering through something. And let's be honest. We live in a day and age where everything's kind of disposable. I mean, things break, just buy a new one. Amazon, in, you know, in a day or, le- or, or, or two, it's at your doorstep, right? And so I don't have to fix it. I don't have to worry about it. I can just dispose it. And people do that with relationships. And they do it with marriage. And they do it with their church. And they do it with their relationship with God. Because I can just get another one. And let me just say this. There are some things that you never get the way that God intended you to when you dispose of the first one. All right? Now listen, you can't lose your salvation. Thank God for that. All right? But you can lose your fellowship with God. You can lose out on the blessings of God. And what I want you to understand is this. The word persevere, is, it's, a good, it's a Bible idea. And listen, the Lord is going to carry you through to this. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. It's not a question. He's going to do it. He's going to change your body in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. And you know what? That's going to happen whether we like it or not. And you know what? Once we get there, we're going to like it. All right? However, in between here and there, it's on us to persevere through some things. Now, what I want you to understand is this. I want to be very clear with you tonight. Whether or not you persevere as a Christian, whether you stick with it, if I can use that term, whether you stay in your Bible, whether you stay in church, whether you continue to grow as a believer, or whether you stop, that does not determine your salvation. I'll make that very clear. All right? Persevering is a matter of submission to the leadership of the Lord, to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. It is not a matter of salvation. You are not going to prove that you are saved by persevering. 
All right, now there was a guy named John Calvin. I don't want to go into all this tonight because it's a lesson in of itself. But he came up with this idea called TULIP. And here's, uh, here's what this acronym means. Total depravity. You're so depraved as a person, you can't even choose to believe in God. All right, God has to make you choose him or you're not going to get saved. All right, the problem with that is that the, Lord, the Bible says as many as received him. You, you have a choice to receive him or you reject him. If you don't even have a choice in it, God's unjust. He gets to choose who gets to go and who doesn't. That's not fair. All right? Uh, 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 what is it? Uh, uh, unlimited. Uh, no, no, no. Excuse me. No, limited atonement is L. You, unconditional grace. Thank you very much. What that means is this. All right? It sounds a little bit like we were speaking in tongues for a moment. Like, wait a minute. What's going on? Uh, unconditional grace. All right? And what that means is this, is that essentially, all right, when God is ready for you to get saved, whether you chose him or not, all right, he is unconditionally going to make you get saved because his grace is just, it's going to come on you. And you have no choice in the matter, unconditionally. All right, limited atonement. You know what that means? Only a select group of people are qualified to be saved. I kind of like the verse that says, whosoever will, let him come. I like the verse that says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I like to stick my name in there and go, if Adrian calls upon the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. I like that, all right? Uh, and, and then here's irresistible grace. Uh, irresistible, uh, unconditional election, that's what it was, unconditional election. Irresistible grace. Irresistible grace means you can't, uh, you can't uh, resist the grace of God the moment that, you, that the Holy Spirit's moving on you. You can't say no. L- look at Acts chapter 7 real quick. This is Bible study, by the way. This is Bible study night, all right? So look at Acts chapter 7. If that was true, then the Bible is saying something that contradicts this, and either John Calvin is right or the Bible is right. Now, I'm not, I'm not picking on John Calvin. I'm just trying to show you what the Bible says is right. Regardless of great qualities that you may find in a person, it doesn't matter. If I say something and the Bible says something different, the Bible's right. That's, that's just how it is. All right, look at Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. And look, if you would, at um, oh, verse number 51. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in hearts and ears, Acts 7.51, ye do always what? Resist, resist the Holy Ghost. Ever had someone resist arrest? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> no question. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Does that, does that, don't they have a choice whether they go peacefully or not? All right. Listen, when the Holy Spirit's moving in your life, you have a choice whether you go peacefully or not. And the reality is you can resist. Some of you are resisting arrest with things God wants you to do in your life and things God wants to get out of your life and things God wants to put in your life. And, and if you're lost without Jesus Christ, you might be resisting the Holy Spirit telling you that you must be born again. All right. But the idea of someone saying that God's grace is irresistible and that you just have no choice in the matter, you have to get saved. That's not true. You can choose to reject Jesus Christ or receive him. Now, this last one. All right, uh, they changed it over the years. When it started out, it was the perseverance of the saints. Now, the way that, 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 that Calvin taught this was this. The way you prove that you're saved is by persevering through your entire Christian life. Now, it's the weirdest thing because they're all about sovereign grace. And at the same time, the way that you prove that you really are sovereignly saved by the grace of God is by works your whole Christian life. This is a weird way to, to present the thing. All right, now, what I want you to understand is this. You could get saved... Never open your Bible, never go to church, never submit to the Spirit of God, and live a very carnal life. Just do whatever your flesh wants. You're still saved, though. Your soul is still saved. 
The reality is you didn't persevere and you didn't stick with some things God wanted for you, but you're still saved. And let's be honest, for those of you that have been saved for a long period of time, have there ever been moments in your life where you were not persevering? So then did you lose your salvation momentarily and get it back when you start persevering again? You see how foolish that idea is? It's God that's doing the work of salvation. He's the one that did the work of salvation, not you. All right? However, there are some things from a practical standpoint, Christian, I need you to get this, that you should persevere through. And it shows when you're submitted to the Spirit of God. And when you're not submitted to the Spirit of God, it takes very little to go, and you're out of church. And you're out of your Bible. And those people that used to be my church family, I love them so much. Jesus loves me. Yes, I know. And I just love the family of God so much. And then now it's like, those people. All right? What happened? I'll tell you what happened. You got in the flesh. And you quit being submitted to the Spirit of God. And you quit persevering through some things. Listen, the word long-suffering means to suffer long. All right? Remember when, when those kids are coming to Jesus and the disciples are like, scram, get out of here, kids. Remember that? And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 suffer the little children to come unto me. You know what he's saying? Allow them to come. So when you suffer long, you are allowing things for a long time. You're, you're allowing the work of God to go on in your life, even when you don't like it, even when someone rejects you, even when someone says, I don't want to be around you because you're a Christian, even when a Christian hurts your feelings. Anybody ever been hurt by another Christian? Raise your hand if you've ever been hurt by another Christian. All right, you know what's coming. Here comes the double punch. Raise your hand if you've ever hurt one. Yeah. It's always easier to raise it on the first one, isn't it? <laughs> raise your hand if you've ever hurt someone else. Right? But, but, but the truth is this. The, the, the reality is at some point, something's going to happen in your life that's going to want to make you quit. And when you are in the flesh and you are living according to your flesh, it's very easy to say, you know what, I'm just done. Let, let me ask you this. How short is your fuse with people? Talking about being led by the Spirit of God. How short is your fuse with God? I've been praying about this for a whole week, God. His name is the Ancient of Days for a reason. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. With Him there is no time. He's the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity. God's not in a hurry. You are. That's the problem tonight. All right? But you want to get on God's. You want to get on God's timetable. You have to learn to say, God, it's not about what I want and when I want it, but God, the work that you're doing in my life. The Bible says, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Listen, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. You know, William Carey, some of you may not know the name William Carey, some of you know the name Dak Prescott, and you know the name Ezekiel Elliott, and you know, sorry, these are the Cowboys, forgive me, <laughs> all right? And, and, and you, know, you know, maybe your favorite baseball player's name, and you know this, that, and that, that. and you hear William Carey, you're like, who's that? Uh, he's the, the father of modern missions, and he labored for seven years before he ever led a Hindu man to Christ. Would you do that for seven years? And I don't mean this to sound mean, but some Christians won't even go to church for seven years. Let alone move to the other side of the world with no friends, no family, the, the, being outside on the outside, looking in on the culture, can't speak the language, have to learn the language. Then I have to translate the Bible from my language that I know very well into their language that I don't know very well to the fact that these people don't even want to listen to me because I'm white. That's what William Carey went through. It took 70 years to see his first convert. Man, I'm glad he stuck it out. 
Adirondack Judson went to Burma seven years before he saw a convert. In Western Africa, it was 14 years before one convert was received into the church. In New Zealand, it was nine years. In Tahiti, it was 16 years. You know what some people had to do? They had to suffer long. They had to go through some things. Aren't you glad some people went through some things so that you could experience what you have right now? I mean, even from a material standpoint, listen, you ought to be thankful that you, that you live in a place that has, I mean, freedom and blessings and all that. It wasn't always that way. It's not that way around all the world. And you know what some people had to do so you could have that? They sacrificed so that you could enjoy it. And when it comes to spiritual matters as well, there are people, listen to me, there are people that were in this church 10 years ago that have passed away. And because they were faithful and they gave and they prayed, some of you are the fruit of their labor from 10 years ago. And you will not meet them until you get to glory. But you know what they did? They persevered and you're the result of that. What a blessing that is. Can I say this? This is who God is. The Bible says in Exodus, and the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Come with me, if you would, to Psalm chapter 86. Psalm chapter 86. Psalm 86, and as you turn there, here's what Paul says about this word. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. You know what that, that says? That Jesus Christ was the pattern for us, and we are now to follow him. And as we follow him and make way for other converts, they are to see in our lives the ability to go through some hardship, to go through some trials, and not just throw up our arms when we don't like what's going on and say, I quit. Long-suffering. It's to be a pattern. Psalm 86. Psalm 86. Here's what the psalmist says about the Lord. But thou, O Lord, verse 15, but thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion. Aren't you thankful for that? And gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and in truth. Can I tell you why long-suffering matters if you're, if you're saved tonight? You know why it's, it's an amazing thing to think about? That God does not just say, I'm done with them. It is his patience and long-suffering nature to go, don't cross this line. This is not right for you. This is, a, this is evil. This is wickedness. And to literally watch for 6,000 years, man go, oh yeah, and cross over that line. And the, the fact that he doesn't just go, okay, drop dead right on the spot. For every human being that does that, thank God he is long-suffering. Because the reason some of you are saved is because God didn't let you drop dead of a heart attack when you kept shaking your fist at God. He gave you space, and he gave you room, and he gave you time, and he gave you, as the Bible says over in Revelation, space to repent. Aren't you thankful for that? Can I ask you this question? If you have received that from God, here's my question to you. Can you give that to somebody else? You see, we like going, thank God he's gracious. You know, mercy, mercy, God's loving mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy, and sing about it, and praise God about it, and then when it's our turn to go ahead and pass that on to somebody, we're like, you know what they did? Do you know what they said? See, you don't know what I know about them, preacher. Well, I know this much. I don't know what God knows about you, and you ain't in hell. Now, I know ain't isn't proper English, but it is good preaching. 
You're not there. And you know why you're not there? You're not there because God had mercy. He was long suffering to you. I want you to understand something over there in. uh, You don't have to turn there. Do you remember in Genesis where the Bible says that the Lord repented that he made man on the earth? He saw the wickedness of man, how it was great in the earth, and every imagination, the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Uh, look at 1 Peter chapter 3. This is just, here's what's going to happen, all right? Long introduction, very quick points. We pray you go home, all right? Look at 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Some of you don't believe me. We'll see. 1 Peter chapter 3. <laughs> You're like, well, I believe you about the long introduction part. I have no problem with that. 1 Peter chapter 3, look if you would at verse number 20. Which sometime were disobedient when once the, what? Long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing. Listen to me very carefully. You may have missed this before. I want to just expose this for a moment. The Bible says that it grieved God at his heart that he made man. Question. Anybody here ever gone through grief? Is grief not an expression of emotion? Sure it is. You know what that's saying? That says right there that God was emotional about how man had responded to truth. And he was so emotional, he says, you know what? If I allow this to continue, it's going to be utter chaos and wickedness everywhere. There'll be no chance for anyone to ever get saved. So you know what the Lord does? The Lord goes, you know what? I got to wipe that all out. And then there's this one guy that shows up and says, Lord, I'll build an ark. If you tell me to, I'll do what you want me to do. By faith, I'll follow you. And God goes, okay. But God's grieved. You know what God wants to do? He wants to do right there and then what he knows he's going to do after that ark is built some hundred plus years later. You know what God does for a hundred years? God, the creator. If he wants to, he goes, and it's all gone. You know what he does? He sits still for a hundred years. And the wickedness continues to go on. Why does he do that? It's a pattern for us. He had emotions. He was emotionally invested in his creation. And yet he did not allow his emotion to override the promise, the truth that he gave to one man. You know what that tells me, Christian? God suffered long because he was going to stick to truth over his own feelings If God can do that, I think we need to learn a lesson there. You know why you get in a lot of trouble sometimes? Because your emotions get involved, right? And listen, listen, don't, 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 don't ever come to me and go, Pastor, you don't know, I'm just an emotional person. I'm Latino. We're emotional about everything, man. (laughs) You know, that's why when we say, you know, when we say we love you, like, like, uh, in in, in Afrikaans, brother, how is it? Uh, uh, I love you. Yes? Yes? Let's be honest, I love you, but that is not the most romantic sounding thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> but I mean, te amo con todo mi corazón, con todo mi alma, te quiero tanto. I mean, that's passion right there. You're not going to get more emotional than my people. I'm going to tell you that right now. So I, don't come up to me and go, Pastor, I'm just emotional. I get emotion, but I'm going to tell you right now, emotion should not override what God said. Emotions should not override truth. When you get into troubles because you get ahead of God because you're emotional about something, instead of submitting to what God said, what he says is right that you just don't want to do. It's, in your mind, you're like, God, that means I have to wait. God, that means I have to deal with that longer. And the Lord's like, yep, 
Aren't you glad I dealt with you for a long time? You see where we're going tonight? Paul says, His ministry was approved by long-suffering. Jesus says, If you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. Not you're saved indeed, but you're my disciples. If you what? Continue. We live in a society... (laughs) But honestly, guys, with TikTok and Snapchat and blah, 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 blah. And you know what? In five years, there'll be something else. And then we're going to call these other things outdated and there'll be some new thing. And you know, we have all these things now where it's like, what's the next thing? What's the next fad? What's the next trend? What's the next TikTok? You know, here's the, the new thing that everyone's doing. Here's the reels that everyone's doing. And you watch, I go, the next thing. Then there's the next thing. And so that it's very hard for your mind in this society to go, I just need to do some things that are right they're not always fun and sexy and, and explosive and, and, and the most interesting thing, but they're right to do, and I'm going to do them every single day. When I don't want to, when I feel like it, when I don't feel like it, I don't always feel like reading my Bible, but I'll tell you what, it has changed my life. I don't, newsflash, I don't always feel like going to church. Some of you are like, oh, him too? Yes, me too. But you know what you do? You persevere. You say, why? Because the, the, whenever I go, I don't want to. Whenever I go like a child throwing a fit, what it is is I'm living in my flesh. I'm walking in the flesh. Listen, there are some things you need to learn to do just because they're right to do. When someone gets saved, they go, what should I do next, Pastor? Here's the Bible. Start reading the Gospel of John. And then what do I do after that? Here's the book of Romans. Read the book of Romans. And then what do I do after that? Go to Genesis and then keep going like, wait, that, that's like, that's a lot of books. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and what's the next special event at church? We have Bible study. Is there anything else? We have Bible study, then we have Bible preaching, then we have Bible study again. You need to learn to just do some things because they're good for you. George Mueller, great man of faith, prayed for five of his friends. He said, Lord, I don't want them to go to hell without Jesus Christ. After several months, one of them got saved. That's 20%. <laughs> Ten years later, two others got saved. 25 years after all of that, the fourth friend of his got saved. Do you realize that fifth friend didn't get saved until after George Mueller died? But you know he did? He never quit praying. He kept praying. And he kept praying, and he kept praying. He didn't listen to me. Listen very carefully. He didn't quit. Can I ask you a question? What is the thing that gets you to want to just say, I'm done? Look at Galatians chapter 5. One time at a big preacher meeting, you know. I'm, I'm actually very thankful. My friends that I get to preach with, that I know from the Pacific Northwest and places like that. I never go to those meetings and feel like we have to compete with each other to preach or anything like that. It's just a good, real good fellowship, and we preach and we encourage each other. That's a blessing. But I I remember hearing a story about a, a preacher that got up at one of these meetings, and he got up and he said this. He said, I'm going to preach a message called, Just Leave Me Alone. You know what he did for about 30 to 45 minutes? He got up and just ranted and raved at how stupid Christians are and all the things that they do. And he said, you know what? I'm tired of you. 
Just leave me alone. And there was an old preacher in there, about 85 years old, and he wrote a note to another preacher, and he just wrote, bitter, bitter, bitter. And he passed it to the other preacher, the younger preacher, and he said, you get it? He said, yes, sir. After church, he goes to the younger preacher, he goes, you know what that guy's problem is? He was unprepared. And when he got up, all that came out was the bitterness that was inside of his heart. And the reason that was is because he was walking in the flesh. And all he could do was talk about why he didn't want to put up with the people that God told him to put up with. Look at Galatians 5. Look, if you would, at verse number 7. This is a question I, I, I want to ask you. Ye did run well. Now, some of you, when you run, it's kind of funny. Now, my kids were homeschooled, so... I mean, I, I, I own that. Every time I make fun of them, they're like, Dad, you're the one that made us be homeschooled, so it's your fault, you know? And when we throw the ball around, you know, they're like, Dad, it's because you didn't teach me how to throw a ball. You're a terrible dad. I'm like, I know I'm terrible. But, you know, I, I think about this verse, you did run well, spiritually. Some of you have run well. But look what he says. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? In other words, you were doing great. Why'd you stop? Why'd you quit? Now, some of you at church tonight, I'm thankful for every single one of you that's here, whether you're saved or you've never been born again. I'm glad you're here tonight. But I want you to understand, some of you have been saved, some of you have been saved longer than others, and you ran well. You started out like this. <laughs> you're just smiling at everybody, you know. People have been saved, saved longer than you. are like, yeah, that smile will go away eventually. <laughs> right? There's a cynic in us. There just is, Right? And it's the old person, the old man, it's the flesh. And you ran and you were happy and then something happened. <laughs> I watched this video where the, the uh, people that set up the hurdles at a race didn't set them up right. And so <laughs> these people are running and they're just flipping over everything. And they get up and they're like, what in the world? Let me just say this much, guys. The hurdles that are in your life, God put them in the right spot. They're placed right for you. The question is, how are you going to respond to them? And you need to understand this much. In your Christian life, you're running a race. That's what God says to you. You are running a race, and you are going to a destination, and that destination is toward Jesus Christ himself. So let me ask you a question. If you're saved, what is it that gets you to stop running? I, I, I've been around some Christians that say, well, someone offended me at church. Man, if that's what it takes to get you to quit, can I, can I ask you something? Do you think you're without blame? You've never offended anybody? If we all quit because we were all offended by each other, there'd be no one at church tonight. You understand? You can't live that way. And people do this in relationships. And they do it in marriage. And they do it with their children. And they do it with God. And they go, man, I just, I don't know why I'm not getting further in my life. And, you know, so even sometimes as it relates to business and secular careers, but especially in the Christian life, I just feel like, you know, Lord, I've been saved for 20 years. And I don't know why I'm not further along. Because every time something hard comes along your way, you decide you're going to quit doing what you were doing before. And there's no consistency and there's no stability. And the spirit of God is going, I want to take you further, but you keep stopping Listen, I got a basset hound, and she's really cute, and her ears are longer than her entire body, and they drag on the ground, you know, and, and, and I tell you what, whenever I bring her in, and I want her to go in the crate, you know what she'll do sometimes? She will run around the crate. She doesn't want to go inside, 
And she knows what I'm asking her to do because she looks at me, she looks at the crate and she goes, <laughs> and runs the other way and runs in circles around. And I literally have to grab her by her neck because I don't even know where the collar's at and grab her and drag her and throw her in the crate. You know what the Lord, if the Lord wanted to, he could do that with us, but he doesn't because he wants you to respond out of your own free will. So, so let me ask you this. What are the things that you go, I just can't deal with that person anymore. I can't deal with that Christian anymore. I'm not going to pray about that anymore, God, because you haven't answered it the way I want it. You see, you quit before oftentimes you even get started. For Judas, it was money. For Peter, it was he didn't like God's plan. For John Mark, he didn't like the inconvenience of the opposition that came his way. And in light of that, I go to Acts chapter 13, and we're going to park here for about 10 minutes and call it a night, let the cows go home, send the horses up to pasture, whatever you call it. Acts chapter 13. Let me just say this. The moment you got saved, you gained God as your father. Okay? Before you were saved, the devil was your enemy and God was your enemy. Now that you're saved, the devil's still your enemy, but God's your father. You got the best end of the deal. Okay? Don't, don't look at it like, oh, life is so hard. There's always, if you were lost, life would still be hard. It would be harder because you don't have direction from the Spirit of God or the Scriptures, the Word of God. So now that you're saved, there, yes, there's going to be things that come your way. How do you respond to those things? Do you throw in the towel and say, I'm done? Because when you do, I'm going to say, tell you this right now. You can cover it with all the spiritual gloss that you want to. At the end of the day, when you quit on something that God says you should persevere through, that you should endure in, that you should suffer long in, what you're doing is you're operating by your own flesh. Look at Acts 13. Acts 13, I want you to look at a, a really interesting verse right toward the end of the chapter. Verse 51, you know what it says here? But they shook off the dust of their feet against them. You know what they did? They took their shoes off, put them back on, and they moved off from that city. Now, that's interesting, but you know what's more interesting? Look back at the beginning of the chapter. Look at Acts 13. This is midweek Bible study, right? So here's a little bit of church history for you. The first missionaries that are sent out, we're talking about missions tonight, first missionaries that go out are Paul and Barnabas. And you read from verses 1 through 4 how the Holy Ghost was the one that said to the elders in verse 2, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted, and that's how you know they weren't Baptists, they fasted, they didn't eat for a while. They, when they fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. How exciting would it be to be the first missionaries to get sent out of this church in Antioch go, we're the first ones. Man, can you believe it? You know, high five, slow motion high five. You know, and just, we're, we're it, man. We get to go and do some fun. Can I say this right now, guys? Excitement by itself, it's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But excitement does not carry you through hard times. I, I, there's some people I call diesel sniffers. You know what that means? They just follow certain things around and they follow this preacher around. They follow this revival meeting around. They follow some new thing around because they're chasing excitement instead of following God. Listen, there's some things in Christian life that are very exciting. And I got to be honest with you, some things aren't. They're just part of the Christian life. 
And you have to understand that not everything is going to be exciting. And in moments where excitement does not carry you through, what is going to get you through? And I'll tell you what it is. It's suffering long. Because as exciting as it was for them to go on this first trip, it was not very far into that trip. They got a lot of trouble. Look, if you would, at verse number 8. But Elimus the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. You know what's going on in verse number 7? They're talking to a man about his soul and about how Jesus Christ can save him. And then all of a sudden, this guy comes from out of nowhere and goes, you know what? I'm going to stop this. I want you to notice verse 8. What's the first word in verse 8? <laughs> you know why? Because it's like, here's everything's great. We're excited. We're going to go out. We're going to do missions. But... Can I, can I say this? You need to learn to shake the dust off your feet because some people are going to oppose what you're doing in your life for God. You need to learn to say, you know what? If, if, if I have opposition and things are, people are coming at me and they don't want to continue on doing what I'm doing for Jesus Christ, that's part of it. And rather than saying, I'm done. Listen, I got to be honest with you guys. If Paul quits right here, maybe we are not here right now either. You know who Paul is? He's the missionary. He's the apostle to the Gentiles. You know what most of you in this room are? You're Gentiles. You know what the, the Old Testament word for Gentiles is? Heathen. I love it when someone goes, you start talking about the gospel, you know, you must be born again. They go, I have a question though. I, want to, I have a question. What about the heathen in Africa? And I'm like, time out. What about the heathen in Aurora? Yeah. <laughs> We're all heathen without Jesus Christ. We're all lost without him. And you know what? If Paul quits right here, there's a good chance you and I are not sitting in an air-conditioned building learning about Jesus Christ and learning about how we can live the Christian life. There's a chance we would all be without hope and without God. You know what Paul had to do? He had to go through that opposition and say, you know what? Some are going to oppose. That's just the way it is. But I'm going to shake the dust off. Look, if you would, at verse number 13, same chapter. Now, when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Pergamon, Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Some are going to quit. Some are going to oppose what you're doing for God, and some are just going to say, I quit. You know what's hard to watch? It's hard to watch Christians quit. You know what it does to a preacher? You know, is it, you pray for them, you love them, you see them get saved, you see them, their family get saved, watch them grow in the Lord, and then they quit. I'm not saying this is to manipulate your emotions. I'm just saying this is a reality. I'm human just like the rest of you are. And you know what? When I see someone, I see them grow, and I see them doing right, and I see them going in the right direction, I'm excited for them, and I'm praying for them. I, I'm just like a cheerleader. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. And then they quit, and it's just like, oh, it breaks your heart. And you know what you have to do? You have to say, you do what you can to encourage them, but once they've made up their mind, you have to go, you know what? Someone else out there needs the truth. I can't quit because somebody else did. You know how many people quit? You know how many people say, you know, they come this far in the Christian line, they go, you know what? I mean, it blows my mind. I've, I've always thought it was kind of a crazy thing. And, and I'm not, I don't know where everyone's at here in, in regards to this, but I've seen people get married for, and be married for 40 years, and they go, oh, we're done. Like, really? You want to start that whole thing over again? It's going to take me 40 years to figure her out, man. I wouldn't want to start all over with someone else. Are you out of your mind? And you go that far in the Christian life, you go, oh, I'm done. Man, you got that far. You're almost at the end. Keep going. Don't quit. The Bible says of David himself, he had to encourage himself in the Lord. You know what that means? Not everyone's going to be around there to encourage you at times. And you're going to have to go, you know what? I can go through this knowing that God is with me. 
And I can go through this because in spite of someone opposing me, in spite of someone quitting, I can say, you know what, at the end of the day, Lord, I did the best that I could for you, and I'm going to continue going on. I'm going to suffer through some things because let's be honest, guys, as American Christians especially, you don't have someone knocking on the door saying, hey, where are the Bibles? Round everybody up. You don't have somebody saying, hey, where are the Christians? Get them against the wall. Let's shoot them in the head. There are other parts of the world where that does happen right now in 2022. So if you've got to go through something as an American Christian, can I say, maybe it's worth it so you have something to show for your life as a Christian. Look, if you would at Acts 13, verse 45, I told you we'd move quickly. You need to learn to shake the dust off and persevere and just suffer through some things because some are going to oppose you. Some are going to quit on you. But also, some are just not going to like you. Do you know it's okay for people not to like you? Because yeah. <laughs> of social media, we come to a place where it's like, if you don't accept me and love me, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. <laughs> Here's what you can do. You can rest knowing that you are accepted in Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's all the acceptance that you need. Look at verse 45. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blasphemy. They didn't like him. Look if you would at verse 50. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. And that's when Paul and Barnabas cried and they sat down. They said, if they don't like us, we quit. It's not what they did. You know what they did? They shook the dust off of their feet. But I want you to see something else. Look at verse 52. Let me, let me say it like this. Some people, we had, we had five people get saved last Wednesday night. That's a blessing. That's, not a, that's a miracle in church today. It is. And, and you know, I, I, to me, a miracle is someone getting saved more than it is, you know, I got a receding hairline. I want the faith healer to put his hand on my head and get me more hair like I was back in the 90s. You know, that's, that's not the miracle I want. I want to see people get saved. Some people are going to get in to Jesus Christ because some of you are willing not to get out. Yeah. You know what that means? You're going to suffer through some things. Yeah. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're almost done. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Can you put up? I, I don't mean this to sound funny. Can you love and be patient with your spouse when they're not lovable? I can tell you, I've had to do that for a really long time. It's been really hard. <laughs> Other way around, honestly. Can I, <laughs> thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Can I ask you can, you, can you put up with some things from your brothers and sisters in Christ? I mean, guys, you know what brings us together? Look around the room. We are not cookie cutters. Red and yellow, black and white. There. I mean, this is, this is a multi-ethnic. And you know what? We never put like a rainbow outside and said, we want multi-ethnic. We didn't have to do that. You just preach the gospel. People get saved from all backgrounds. And then God brings them in and they start growing together. But, but let's just be honest about it. We're all different. Right? And, and our, our <laughs> I've seen Christians that go, you know what? <laughs> I don't like your eating habits. I mean, 47 packets of ketchup is a little much, brother. You have a lack of temperance. We're not going to hang out anymore. I mean, can you put up with some things from the brethren? Honestly. 
I, I, I'm not making this up. One time we were at a, a church fellowship and there was something there. I think I may mention this recently and there was something there and it, it wasn't labeled like specifically no one touched this thing. If it had said that, I wouldn't have touched it. We wouldn't have touched it. And, and we go to, to, to eat some of the food and it was like, you touched our food. It's like, man, I am so sorry. I thought it was a church fellowship. Like we all get to eat the food. You know what I mean? You, you, know what, you know what the problem is, though? The problem is when you can't put up with each other, there's not, the problem is not the other person. The problem is you. And, you know, you could come to me and tell me everything's wrong with your kid and everything's wrong with your spouse and everything's wrong with your parent, and I could still say, okay, but how are you dealing with that? Well, you don't know what that brother and sister in Christ did to me. I don't, but I can tell you this. Your response isn't right because you're in the flesh. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want you to see here what Paul says in verse number 10. Therefore, I endure. What are you willing to endure? You know, there are some things you enjoy in, the li- in life, and there's some things you endure, right? <laughs> Listen, you can enjoy a donut, and you endure through a vegetable diet. Okay? For most of you, for most of you, that's how it is, all right? Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sakes, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You know what he's saying? I endure things for the people of Israel because I want them to get saved. You endure a stripe on your back and them beating you? Yeah. You endure them throwing stones at you? Yeah. You endure them uh, putting a bounty on your head? Yeah. Because I want them to get saved. You see, there's a spiritual prize on the other side that's more important than my feelings right now. Look what he says in verse number 11. It is faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we also shall live with him if we what? Go through some things. We shall also what? First Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll be done. First Corinthians chapter 15. You know what happens in Acts 13? That, that sorcerer withstood Paul, but Sergius, the deputy, gets saved. John Mark leaves, but then the Jews get a chance to hear the gospel. The Jews that were there, the, the leaders, the Jewish leadership there, didn't want to hear it. So guess what? The Gentiles believed in it. And what I'm trying to get, get at is this. Through every moment of you enduring something and you going, man, this is hard, there's an opportunity that you can't see. You just don't see the other side of it. But God does. First Corinthians chapter 15, look if you would at verse 58. After the end of an entire chapter talking about the resurrection, talking about the hope of heaven talking about uh, a new body and a new life in heaven forevermore. Paul says this in verse 58, last verse of the chapter, and here's where I'd like to call your attention as we leave tonight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. Look at those words, steadfast, unmovable. I'm not moving. You know why? Because God told me this is my ground. Amen. I like that story about that one of David's mighty men, and he's basically got a hill of beans. It's a parcel of ground filled with lentils, and that guy fights over it. You say, why? Because that's the piece of ground God gave him. And you know what? I don't know what God's given you, but whatever it is, if it's your, your family, God's given your family, you stand there. God's put you in this church, you stand there. God's given you your Bible, you stand there. 
God, instead of just saying, with every wind that blows, I'm going to move this way, I'm going to move this way, I'm going to move this way. Look, you need to understand this. You know what Paul says? Could you not bear with me a little bit in my folly? In other words, I'm human. I'm not perfect. Could you bear with that a little bit? Could you suffer through me and the, my own character and look at the truth that I'm bringing and go, look, that's more important than the person that's bringing it? He was trying to get them to understand, you've got to go through some things, even through some people, in order to get where God wants you to go. We got a lot of young people that, 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 spiritually speaking, you're young in Christ. Many of you just got saved in the last few years. And you know what you're going to experience right now? A lot of it's very exciting, and I'm thankful for that. But the excitement at some point is going to wear off when you face some realities. And you need to know those realities don't change the truth of God's word that you can get through those things. Unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, always. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I don't know how long it's going to be before the Lord calls us home, but I know this much. I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The only way it's going to happen is if I learn to suffer long through some things and have patience and quit thinking everything's about my timetable. Hey, there's some decisions some of you are on the brink of making Maybe don't make them right now. Can I say this? When you're emotionally distraught, it's not the best time to make a decision. Are you listening? Because even if some of you aren't there right now, you're going to get there. And you learn to say, you know what, Lord? I'm just going to keep doing what you've shown me to do because that's the last order I received from you. And I want to be walking in the Spirit I want to exhibit long-suffering in a world that's constantly changing, constantly going on to the next thing, can't stick to anything, not consistent, unstable. God, I want to be who you want me to be. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. I hope you got something out of the Word of God tonight. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. No invitation tonight, but I want to have a word of prayer, and I hope you think about and consider what was said tonight and apply it in your life. Amen? Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Caleb, where are you at? All right, would you dismiss us in a word of prayer? When you, that's you, all right? Caleb Waldy? That's still your name, isn't it? Okay, I want to make sure. All right, go ahead, brother. You dismiss us in a word of prayer.